With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome into the 2017 Opponent Preview Series on the Hangout in the Holy Land the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host. Be sure to head over to SoundCloud.com slash LandGrantHolyLand or search The Hangout in the Holy Land on Apple Podcasts and be the first to listen to all of our new content as it drops. We are less than 50 days away from the start of Ohio State football, 44 days to be exact, on August 31st, and there is a lot going on right now got Friday night lights coming up, Big Ten media days, and of course fall practice coming up before the start of the season. And we wanted to do something a little bit different heading into the season. So we're going to start this 2017 opponent preview series where I sit down and chat with a member of the opposing side on who Ohio State is playing this season and get their thoughts on the other team's seasons and how they are going to do. And to kick that off, Figured might as well start with the top of the schedule and talk about the Indiana Hoosiers and talk with our SB Nation brethren, CrimsonQuarry.com. And to do that, I am joined by one of the managing editors for CrimsonQuarry.com, and his name is Ben Raphael. Ben, how are you doing today, man? Doing well. I am sitting on my porch. It's a gorgeous night. Actually, I live in Boston, but I still, I was an IU alum and still follow the team closely, and it's weird to be an IU football fan in Boston, Massachusetts, but here I am. There's a lot of exciting things to talk about when it comes to Indiana football. It's crazy that this game is happening so soon. Usually for both teams, you see a lot of the times it's a cupcake game. Ohio State last year started off with Bowling Green. I want to say Indiana was playing FIU to start their season last year. So you usually see a team, a non-Power 5 team, but for the first time since 1976 for Ohio State, this is a conference game to open the season. And not only that, it's a Thursday night game. From your perspective and from Indiana fans' perspective, what do you think about playing a conference game this early? And for Indiana to be playing Ohio State, and not only that, but playing at home. And not, all, and not only that, but um, it's going to be the return of former head coach, Kevin Wilson, he's going to be his first game as Ohio State OC is going to be back where he coached for the previous six years, Bloomington, Indiana. I mean, it is an incredible opportunity for Tom Allen and the Indiana football team to really get his tenure off on the right foot here. And just a chance, I think 88 was the last year we beat Ohio State. I mean, this all, we're all going on almost years now, but the t- last time the Hoosiers beat Ohio State in football. And, you know, if you look at um, the way the team decks up, I mean, even though Ohio State is a national title contender, you know, you're not going to get this many better opportunities to have that um, upset special. Weird, weird night, Thursday night, home opener against 
Ohio State. So, I mean, it's an, it's an incredible opportunity. We'll see if the team is, is up to the task. I mean, those opening few weeks can always be a little rough, but, I mean, that applies to both sides. Both sides bringing in new schemes on the offense, for sure. Defense, relatively, the schemes should be similar as last year. So, yeah, I think fans are definitely excited about it. Having it on a Thursday night means it's going to be an ESPN game. It's going to be some additional exposure for Indiana football. And, you know, when you're in a basketball-crazy state, in a basketball-crazy school, your football team can use all the exposure it can get. And when you look at this series over the past three years, they've been very close games. Indiana probably should have won the 2015 game in Bloomington. But I was there. Tell me about it. <laughs> even last year's was a close game, and we won't spend too much time talking about the 2015 game, but like I'm one of those people <laughs> that thinks that if Ohio State would have lost that game, they probably would have en- ended up making the playoff because they would have gotten there stuff together a little bit sooner so that's one to go back in time that maybe Ohio State should have lost but these games have been really close as of late you even go back to 2012 and that crazy 52 to 49 game in Bloomington at night and the Hoosiers have played Ohio State really tough as of late what's made them such a pain in the ass for Ohio State lately I think it really just has been um something different every year that has made them a pain in the ass for um OSU I mean 2012, that um, that was a crazy four-hour night game in middle of October. That year, they were just scoring points left and right. That was like one of the first times really Kevin Wilson's, Wilson's offense came together just in such a, a huge way when he was um, coach of the Hoosiers. I know in 2014, Nate Subfeld was out for the season. Ohio State may have been looking ahead to Michigan the next week, and you know we brought in Xander Demont, who was like sort of this tall tail figure in IU football history, this 5'10", 160-pound quarterback, and they just let him loose in that OSU game. And for a while, the Buckeyes really couldn't um, figure out what to do with him. I think they won that game easily. 2015, Sudfeld gets hurt halfway through the game. Diamond has to come in. I think he scored a, on a long touchdown run late in that game. So um, almost had like the game tying drive. We can say what we will about the refs in that game, but... <laughs> And then last year, um, I think Tom Allen really had the defense going. He really um, had them playing at a high level throughout last season. And they figured out how to stop JT Barrett for a while. And I think on the side of Ohio State, and I, I know some Ohio State fans were very upset with Tim Beck's play calling, you know, that game and the 2015 game. And maybe they didn't utilize the players in the right way. Um, but I know at least in 2016, that game was pretty close but I from what I call a few IU mistakes and like all that happened were like a couple turnovers or just misplays by IU and all of a sudden you know it's a 21 point game and Ohio State wins easily but um yeah I just think for the past few years IU has been able to play close with Ohio State whether it's in um Memorial Stadium or it's in the horseshoe um regardless I think it's been a, a solid matchup I just don't um think IU just hasn't necessarily gotten over the hump So let's talk about the transition that Indiana football is undergoing right now. Kevin Wilson leaves the program under, I would say, less than ideal circumstances. And Tom Allen takes over after one year as defensive coordinator. Before we get into some of the changes that Allen has brought and maybe some of the differences between him and Wilson, what were your thoughts on how that whole situation went down? And what do you think about Ohio State hiring Kevin Wilson as their offensive coordinator? Oh, boy. Well, you know, right after IU beat Purdue for the fourth straight year, 
clinched a six and six season. This was last November. Clinched a second straight bowl game. This is second straight bowl game. IU had gotten to this for the first time since '91. I want to say so. 25 years since they had made back-to-back bowls. You know, I wrote a piece for Crimson Quarry saying, like, all right, we've got a great future here. Um, things looking really up for IU football, and you know, this is just the beginning for Kevin Wilson. And then three days later, he is fired or asked to resign or bought out, how whatever the term is. Um, and it just then from like an hour after his firing comes out, there's a big ESPN piece about how he treated players. Three months later, there's a big outside the line story about it. You know, high profile of some former IU athletes are quoted in the story. And I was just sort of upset about how the whole thing went down. First of all, that, um, you know, how under, I, I guess probably as part of the, the buyout, you know, there was maybe not a bit, been allowed to have any official talk about what the um, cause was of the firing, but, you know, it was very mysterious. It was very cloudy, and I just wasn't really happy with how that went down. And then, you know, to hear a month later that Ohio State has hired Kevin Wilson, and I was just like, whoa, hold, whoa, hold on a sec. Um, first of all, why wasn't there any like, clause not to have him go to a division opponent of all, of all places? And also, like, it seems straight i don't know to me there was sort of like this double standard like whereas indiana got some of the blame and you know rightfully so for what happened under his tenure then you know he gets hired by ohio state and all of a sudden like whoa this is an amazing hire for ohio state look what he's done as an offensive mastermind and then like all the concerns about player misconduct are sort of brushed aside when he gets hired yeah and and i think that that's fair And, and matt and i talked about this on a previous podcast that we wanted to hear gene smith and urban meyer address it and they they, they kind of did by saying that they looked into it and they felt comfortable with hiring him. And you would assume that Wilson won't have those types of decisions about player safety or who's going to come out of the game when they're hurt or when they're injured, given that he's not the head coach. And I, and I do think, like you're saying, there's probably a little bit of a double standard where you look around at preview magazines or – other previews out there and they're all lotting the higher and from a football perspective I think rightfully so and I and I also think that it's okay to look at it and you know be a little bit skeptical especially given how he left Indiana but at the same time also not have it be enough to make a huge deal about it if that if that makes sense yeah I think that that makes sense but still some a bit troubling like it's just weird to think um so are there different standards in place for different Big Ten East teams? And um, that's, I think, what was sort of troubling, you know, on my end as an, as an IU fan. And I guess um, regarding Tom Allen, you know, he did wonders in his first season as defensive coordinator. And so obviously I don't think they want to get rid of him. So I understand why they promote him to head coach. What I don't understand is, you know, why don't you make him interim, see how the bowl game goes? They said, you know, we're not even doing a search. We're just going to hire him right away. And then, you know, when you've got someone like Jeff Brom who went to Purdue, you've got P.J. Fleck who went to Minnesota, you've got those guys sort of waiting in the wings to get a Power 5 job after excelling in a mid-major school. You know, you sort of think to yourself, was there something more that IU could have done with its with its coaching search? Like, yes, I know Allen is well-liked by both the players and by you know, the admin at, at IU, but was there another hire that um, 
could have made more sense. And I think that's something else that um, was has been a little bit um, concerning on my end with this whole transition as well. So getting into what Tom Allen does and why they hired him was for that defense. And it's amazing that we're talking about defense being the strength for Indiana after the last four or five seasons. He takes over last year and in his first and only year as defensive coordinator, Indiana shoots up to 31st in defensive S&P+. What are some of the defining characteristics for that defense, and how do you expect them to be this year? Are they going to be just as strong as they were in 2016? For this year, they are losing a few key players, um, but overall, I think they're still going to be strong this year. Having T. Gray scales back, he's going to sort of be the quarterback of the defense there as um, as one of the linebackers. He does lose his um, fellow um, Cincinnatian Marcus Oliver, who turned pro at linebacker, but he's got some um, potential replacements there. Like Chris Covington was actually a former quarterback, um, or TJ Simmons, who sat out last season. They might be jumping in there at linebacker. One thing that um, really defines Tom Allen defense is he likes to play with five defensive backs. He's in sort of this um, funky four-two-five system. He's he's brought to IU, and um, historically, you know, even for a weak defense, the backfield was considered like especially weak for IU. But last year, guys like when Marcelino Ball was just a freshman. He was 17 years old last year. He played fantastic all year in sort of that like that hockey position in um, as one of the defensive backs. Um, Jonathan Crawford played really well. Um, Rashard Fant is probably our top cornerback. He'll provide some senior leadership for the defense. Up front, they're going to lose Ralph Green. He was a stalwart of the defense for four years. They're going to lose him at defensive tackle, which it will is unfortunate. But you know they still have guys like Greg Gooch and Nate Hawk who are up front who are going to anchor the defensive line. So you see strength all throughout Allen's um, 4-2-5 defense. He really made an impact at IU, obviously. He made an impact at um, South Florida the year before that. And then prior to that, he was a position coach at Old Miss. And it feels like everywhere the guy's gone, you know, the defense has improved under his watch. And even, you know, at South Florida last year, the defense regressed without him. So he's really a difference maker. Linebacker T. Gray Scales is definitely one of the best linebackers in the country and one of the more unheralded players that you'll see not only in the Big Ten, but across the country in Power 5 football as well. And you mentioned the secondary. Last year, they were really inexperienced, and they had some struggles, but they bring back everybody to help supplant what was a damn good run defense last year. Do you think the key to this defense keeping up that level of play is to have those players back in the secondary and be able to help a little bit more in the in the passing game than they were last year? I think that's a good way of putting it. I think having those players back, really helping out in the, in the secondary is going to be a key to IU's success this year. I mean, if we can do a decent job at stopping the run, uh, we know that we're pretty good at um, stopping big pass plays. And really, the thing that has killed us in previous years has been that big play. And, you know, we saw a little of that this year as, as well. I just remember um, Joe Williams of Utah in the um, Foster Farms Bowl last year just ripped off big play after big play after big play and ultimately it was a huge reason of why we lost that game. So really just the defense preventing the big play and you know not also not getting itself 
into a hole and playing from behind is a huge thing too. I mean, we, I thought we out, one example in Nebraska last year, I thought we outplayed them, but, um, you know, we lost by five partially because we were in a 17 nothing hole early in the first quarter. So it's really just about um, making sure the opposing team's offense gets off the field as quickly as possible. So, you know, I use offense. We'll have more time to work. Flipping to the offensive side of the ball, Tom Allen brings in Mike DeBoer as offensive coordinator. And to put it mildly, I would say that DeBoer doesn't have the best reputation at his last <laughs> two stops at Michigan and then at Tennessee. And he got the reputation at Tennessee of being a very conservative coach. And last season, near the end of the year, the Vols really turned it up offensively, but not after a couple of seasons of not exactly playing to their potential. And so how do Indiana fans feel about the DeBoard hire, and especially with a quarterback like Richard Lagow, who's been good at times, and has also had struggles being too loose with the ball at times. Do you expect that conservative play calling to continue? And what's the overall feeling about Mike DeBoer as offensive coordinator? So when the hire was announced, I got texts from both a Michigan friend and a Tennessee friend offering me condolences. And like the you know the Vols fans that I know were were thrilled that he was out of Tennessee, and the you know Michigan fans that I know were just sort of chuckling because obviously Mike DeBoer was the OC during that program's most hilarious loss against App State. Now the App State loss may not have necessarily been on him. I think they scored 32 points in that game, but still, to Michigan fans, it seems like Mike DeBoer is um, no, known for his um, mediocre offense and and that App State loss. I think. Overall, um, there's been sort of a mixed feeling about the DeBoer hire at IU. You know, some people see uh, his stats and what he did um, with Josh Jobs at, at Tennessee as a really good thing and see, you know, how, especially in the second half of last season, Josh Dobbs just opened it up and was playing some, some great quarterback. But then, you know, others, and I sort of fall into this category, see, you know, he plays this style of, um, of offense where like games are going to finish, you know, in the 21 to 17, um, 24 to 21 range. And, you know, that's okay. If you're a school like Tennessee or Michigan that can recruit blue chippers regularly, but this school like Indiana, you know, maybe that more conservative um, offense is not going to work as much just because as in the school that's like constantly trying to, um, punch up and especially in the big 10 East with like four sort of perennial powerhouses. Um, I use got to distinguish itself in some way. And if it's not distinguishing itself in this way, then, um, you know, if it's just bringing the same old sort of offense to the field, then stronger teams with better recruits ultimately are going to win at the end of the day. So that's, I think the concern about the board, you know, some people think that, you know, but he is, an Indiana native. So some people think that that is a um, good thing as, as well. And I totally understand that our argument, you know, he can bring guys within the state, help recruit the state. And then there is the question about, you know, what's he going to do with um, Richard Lego? I would um, sort of compare him as like a poor man's Ryan Mount, a poor man's Jay Cutler in a way, like, you know, he could, you know, the guy has an, has an arm. I think he threw, for maybe 500 yards against Wake Forest last season, but it, the, there is the inconsistency there. There is the just fear that he's going to throw a pick every time he goes 
it goes deep, and if the board can help with Lego's consistency, that's going to be huge. There is a potential for quarterback controversy at Indiana this year. Peyton Ramsey looked fantastic in the spring game. I don't think Ohio State fans are going to have to worry about Peyton Ramsey unless Lego gets hurt before game one. I think they're going to they're going to roll with Lego to start the year. But um, Lego is still inconsistent. He's still throwing picks, and um, maybe Ramsey becomes the guy halfway through the year. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the QB position. So what do you think the strength of this offense is going to be this year, and what's your biggest worry for them? Strength is the um, wide receivers. So um, Simi Cobbs, uh, this is a, it's a strange story. He was um, arrested at a um, Jason Aldean concert um, in Indianapolis over the weekend. He was resisting arrest, and um, there's just some questions about what he actually did, and I think charges were dropped. I'm not sure exactly where that story stands right now, but um, I don't know if this is going to um, result in any lost time for him. Um, yeah, he was arrested for resisting um, law enforcement and um, refusal to identify. So a couple of misdemeanor charges. I don't know how serious this will be, but last season he um, got hurt in the second game of the year, missed the entire season. So I think he's hoping for a bounce back here. Um, Jason Harris is another potential wild um, for the Hoosiers. He's missed the past two seasons with various injuries. It's, so I think we're really hoping to see something from, from him this year. It's hoping he can um, stay healthy. Um, Nick Westbrook really established himself as a um, deep ball threat last year. Um, almost 1,000 yards, six touchdowns. He really seemed to develop a rapport with, with Lego last season. So wide receivers are going to be a strength. Um, weaknesses. So running back is going to be a question mark, which is interesting for the Hoosiers because they've had a string of a, of a thousand yard rushers. Now they've had, um, they've had Kevin Coleman, Jordan Howard and divine Redding. So that's been um, at least, I think, I think four, four straight years of um, a thousand yard rushers. So, so we've sort of developed this reputation as running back university, but you know, unfortunately, um, the running back coach, Dallin McCullough, as this often seems to happen in a school like IU, you know, good position coach is going to be outbid by a um, by a blue blood, and he's now the, in the same position at USC. So, you know, obviously hoping he does well there, but that's, you know, it's just sort of part of the deal at a school like IU. Um, Greg Fry, the offensive line coach, is at Michigan now as well. But um, so I'm not, not sure exactly um, who's going to be the um, running back. I think the Coaching staff is hoping that um, Cammy and Patrick. He was came into IU as a you know rare four-star recruit. I think the um, coaching staff is hoping that he can carry the load and stay healthy this year. I know he's had trouble staying healthy in the past. Um, and then for offensive line, we're losing right guard Dan Feeney. He was a third-round draft pick for the Chargers last year. So losing Feeney is going to be tough for the Hoosiers, losing Demetri Camille as well. So, you know, losing that whole right side of the line really is going to um, be something that the um, Hoosiers have to make up for. But um, ultimately, offensive line has been a strength of the use for a while now. I um, think they still have some really good, really good players on that line. So I'm more sort of worried about, you know, who takes the load at running back 
for 2017 season. Looking around the Big Ten East, and there, there's pretty much an established hierarchy at the top with Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. But the rest of the division is pretty wide open heading into 2017. You look at Michigan State. They're coming off a 3-9 and nine season, and they have a bunch of new pieces, and they don't have a quarterback and not a lot of skill position talent outside of running back L.J. Scott. Maryland, they're improving, but I still think that they're probably a couple of years away. But D.J. Durkin's doing a nice job. Rutger is Rutger. They'll always be Rutger. But this has to be like the most clear-cut that it's been for Indiana heading into the, a season as the top team in that second group, don't you think? Um, yes, I would agree. Um, IU, you know, they finished fourth in the Big Ten East last year. If you're scoring home, that's one place behind Michigan. I do think there's a chance that they can, again, finish fourth in their division. Um, you know, it's Michigan State is a weird case because, you know, they did go 3-9 and nine last year, but, you know, this is going to be their rebuilding year. They lost a lot of guys. There's some, you know, weird scandals going on up there that I'm not really sure about. It's, you know, it's weird to think that, like, two years after he made the playoff that Mark D'Antonio might be on the hot seat. It's a strange situation there. I mean, Rucker is Rucker. IU better win that game. It's, it's the second-to-last game of the year and the last home game for IU. So, yeah, they better win that one. I'm sort of notorious on Crimson Quarry. Because my family is from New Jersey, I like to poke the bear a bit. I like to poke fun at um, at Rutgers and their fans. Um, because you know when you know when I was a kid growing up in New Jersey, like you were either a Penn State or a Notre Dame fan. You weren't a Rutgers fan. So it's still funny for me to see them in the Big Ten. Like it's I don't it's um yeah. So it, I'm curious to see what happens there. And you know as you mentioned with Maryland, you know it's where they could be a better team this season, but not make a ball. I think they've got a a really challenging schedule. IU put up probably its best performance of the year last year against Maryland. Was the one of the few times all year they got the offense really up and running. So that was a fun game. So hopefully they can um, do something like that again. So um, yeah, I think there, you know there's a possibility that um, IU can um, sort of stand out from the rest of the bottom half of this um, division. And you know even. If they struggle at the beginning of the year, they come into the final three games of the year three and six. Those final three games are Illinois, Rutgers, and Purdue. There's a good chance they can you know, win those last three and sneak, in, sneak into a bowl. Getting into that schedule as we wrap up here, IU's non-con is pretty cake, I think, and this sets up for them to make a good run. You got games at Virginia, who was really bad last season, and I think they're in the midst of a multi-year rebuilding project. FIU, who should be a win for Indiana at home, and then Georgia Southern, which is an option offense, is tough to prepare for, but you would figure that Indiana's defense is good enough to win that game as well. And so if they're 3-3 three and three after playing Ohio State, Virginia, FIU, Georgia Southern, and then that stretch at Penn State, Michigan, this has to be the year that if they're going to win eight games and kind of get this thing rolling, it's this year, right? And what, what do you think a fair expectation – for IU is in 2017. Yeah, I think you're right about that. This is the year, really. You know, I have Bill Connolly's um, preview for IU up on my browser right now, and I see, um, you know, you have seven games that the Hoosiers are favored in by his win probability, and then you have one at Sparty where it's a 47% win prob- probability. It's a coin flip. You know, you win those seven games, you beat um, Michigan State in, in East Landing, tough, always a tough place to play. You know, that's eight wins right there. So, I mean, you've got some Ohio State, 
at Penn State, Michigan, and Wisconsin, four very tough games, but, you know, three of those four are in Bloomington. And, you know, when a game's in Bloomington, there is always this, like, chance, like, in the back of your mind, like, oh, this may be the one that they, they pull it off. Like, they, they could pull. I think it's, it's easier for me to envision an upset at home than, than on the road. So this could be the one um, where they get things going. You mentioned Virginia, obviously, rebuilding project under um, Bronco Mendenhall, one of the, I think one of the most intriguing hires last year, and not really sure yet what he's doing there. But you know that game is at, is in Charlottesville. It'll be right after what should be a tough contest against Ohio State, obviously. So you know it's hard to tell. That I see that one as a potential where the Hoosiers could um, get tripped up. And yeah, as you mentioned, Georgia Southern should be able to handle the option. But you know, four years ago, Navy came to um, to Bloomington and. They could not stop that option at all. It was just like basically on repeat. Navy just had these like eight or nine minute drives downfield where they executed the option perfectly and um, I think scored 42 points on IU. So the option is always like something that worries me in the back of my mind too. Final one for you and I'll get you out of here. If you had to guess, we are 44 days away from the game right now, but if you had to guess, how do you think August 31st plays out between Ohio State and Indiana? So um, occasionally – sort of um, trying to turn this into a meme when I tweet something from the Crimson Quarry account. I'll tweet something like, oh, and IU is going to beat Ohio State on August 31st. Just just throwing that out there. I think I, like, tweeted that on 4th of July or something like that. I was like, I know, no, I know you're not at the computer right now, but just so when you get back, you're going to see this tweet. Ohio State's going to lose on August 31st, IU. But um, in reality, I don't think it will be close. And I'm, like, not happy that that's my prediction, but I don't think it's going to be close. I think Ohio State will win in the range of like 21 to 28 points or so. I think Kevin Wilson is going to come back with a vengeance, and I don't know if the Hoosiers are going to be ready to handle it. I don't know if the board's offense will be fully set yet. I think you know they're still they're going to have they're going to have to be replacing a a few key positions in defense. Um, And you know even though the game is on a Thursday night. And they've had, you know, nine months to prepare for this. Both both teams have. I know, and I know Ohio State sort of has a. Um, they need to um, show something in this game too, because you know, as we all know, we all know what the offensive performance was in their last game of the year. So there was none. There was, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm just a little worried about how this one is going to go for IU. I don't think it's going to be fun. To my opinion, Michigan or Wisconsin might be a better – we have a better chance at winning that one at home and sort of like a sort of an upset. I just – I know we played Ohio State close and, you know, everything – I know I should, like, be more optimistic about this, but, you know, I'm sort of known as the um, the group pessimist on the side, as you will. I'm a Philly sports fan, so it comes naturally. Yeah, I'm just, wor- I'm just worried about this one for, for IU. If I were to predict the score, I would say um, – I think when we did score predictions for this game back in June, I said 40 to 15. That sounds about right. <laughs> some, there'll be some weird score like that. There were always like Kevin Wilson was always like we always had these like weird final scores under him. Yeah, I tend to agree with you, and I think for the reasons that you said, you ha- you have a, a historically Urban Meyer teams have played the best when they have been motivated, and coming off of that Clemson game and not scoring 
any points, I think that you'll see them very motivated to come out against an opponent that maybe they've underestimated the past few years, but has played them extremely tough. And you add into the fact with some extra motivation that your offensive coordinator was just let go from the school you're about to play and go play them on the road. And I, I think I agree exactly. with you that it, it'll be, I don't think a very close game from the start, but I think it'll kind of belial how good Indiana is. I, I don't think it'll say a lot about Indiana if they end up getting blown out in this game. But if you want to keep up with anything Indiana as we head into the season and as the season reaches us on August 31st and the Buckeyes go and take on the Hoosiers in Bloomington, head on over to crimsonquarry.com to check out all of their analysis. They are the funniest people on the internet. And make sure to follow their tweets at Crimson Quarry. And if you want to follow Ben on Twitter, you can do so at VT underscore Ben. Ben, thanks for joining the show, dropping knowledge on Indiana, and uh, can't wait to watch the game on August 31st. Yeah, me too. And I'm obligated to say this is not you, fan. Let's do this again during basketball season. Uh, I We may pass on that one, to be quite <laughs> honest with you. Uh, basketball season, I, I don't know what that is. Is that a thing? I think, you know, I, I like I like the Chris Altman hire for, for OSU. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I do too. And, I'm, you know, I was ready for the Crenaissance, as our friend Chuck McKeever put it. But I think <laughs> Chris Altman will do very well there and I think that Indiana is in a very good place themselves with their basketball team, obviously. Yeah. Today was today was a very good day, to quote Ice Cube. Absolutely. Well, if you want to check out any Indiana stuff, you should by going to CrimsonQuarry.com. Follow them on Twitter, like I said, at Crimson Quarry, and follow Ben on Twitter at VT underscore Ben. Ben, thanks for joining the show, man. Thanks, Golden. That's going to wrap up the first edition of the 2017 Opponent Preview Series right here on the Hangout in the Holy Land podcast. And if you want to keep up with this series and all the other podcasts we are dropping, please be sure to go to soundcloud.com slash Land or go on to Apple Podcasts and search the Hangout in the Holy Land and subscribe and leave a review and tell us everything that we can do to make these podcasts better. Be sure to keep an eye on your podcast feed as later this week I will be dropping the second edition of the Opponent Preview Series talking about Army, how they match up with Ohio State, and a preview for their season. Until then, my name is Colton Denning. This is the 2017 Opponent Preview Series on the Hangout in the Holy Land podcast. Thank you for listening, and go Bucks.